It's been three years since the Progerians left their mark of devastation upon Earth. The remaining humans are in a desperate race against time as they do their best to reverse engineer the alien technology they captured in an effort to bolster their beleaguered defenses against the onslaught of Progerians' hell-bent on revenge. Revenge against the humans that thwarted their takeover, and revenge against the subordinate Genogerians that helped. Michael Talbot once again finds himself at the forefront to protect all that is sacred to him. He will receive some help from some unexpected allies, but will it be enough? Mike reunites with his wife and his friend Paul aboard the Guardian, only to find that things have gone from bleak to hellish on Earth. Rampaging hordes of Genogerians plague the planet, as does the invasion from the Progerians hell-bent on knuckling under the whim of man through their relentless onslaught. Yes, this may be the worst of it, as the insidious ally has lent their support. At what cost can the planet on the brink come back from such desperate odds? In Indian Hill Books 4 and 5, From the Ashes and Into the Fire. This is the Chronicles of Michael Talbot. The All right, podcast. we got like the all-star uh, cast here tonight. <laughs> Everybody's back for two. Aaron's on his third. Heck yeah. Oh, I got, I got a great shot. <laughs> so, oh, good evening, everybody. Thank you for uh, for joining me for this double episode mm-hmm. of the podcast. I tried to do it last week by myself. Uh, maybe eventually I'll feel comical enough to post what i have what little i have and at the end you hear me go like oh this fucking sucks i'm shutting this off and i went upstairs so i'm like oh my god i know how mark feels when he does his youtube now when he starts reading and then something distracts him the fact like oh wait i forgot to tell you about this and i gotta go back to here and i was that to the 10th degree when i was doing it last week and i'm like this is not even funny this is like you might think I need to be on medication or I'm high on crack because I just, I'm, I'm, my voice was flying and my mind doesn't work as fast as my mouth. And my wife's like, you just need to slow down. I'm like, but I get excited and I just want to talk. It's like, I equivalent to, did any of you see the Mike Tyson one man show that he did on Broadway that's uh-huh. slightly produced? When Mike, uh-huh. So Amber will know what I'm talking about. When Mike gets excited, he starts talking real fast. He's like, and I got the, and he had to like calm himself down and slow down. So that's how I felt. And I'm like, all right, that's how Mike feels. <laughs> so Aaron, what are you doing? You're popping in and out. I'm looking holding- for my- Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear the joke. It's going to be a good one. No, I just, are you folding laundry? Uh, no, I'm looking for my daggone headphones. Oh, I can't find them. I didn't want to mess up with all the background noise. Now I'm. It took me like five extra minutes to do my background because I have to be boogie and redo my background every freaking time I do this thing. So <laughs> now I'm just fucking behind because I'm looking through my my merce and I can't damn find anything. So yep, I'm over it. You guys are gonna have to do a speaker. Sorry, guys. I'm off. I'm on speaker too. I don't have the headphones. When I notice when I have the headphones on it messes up the green screen in the background. So, and you don't really pick up on the audio as much. So, but it looks like you have no bottom half Aaron, the way you, your screen is. It's I, I got surgery. I'm a uh, gender neutral now. There you go. Yeah. Everything, yeah, the whole bottom half just taken off, you know? Yeah. 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 Don't have to worry about any issues. <laughs> You're literally gender neutral. You have no gender at all. Nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> so, oh, uh, all right. So we all read for, for, from the ashes, 
mm-hmm. and, uh, and and the other one, Into the Fire, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So very excited for this because in my opinion, those two books are my favorite out of all of the Indian Hill stories because it kicks off right away. Book mm-hmm. four, you, 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 it gets into it. It literally goes into the fire or, you know, no, that's, that's wrong. That's five. See, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking too fast and I'm like, okay. So, but uh, it starts off, they renamed the Julipian. It's now the guardian. They made it mm-hmm. more, you know, America. It's now a guardian kind of thing. They've put all the genos are now in scattered throughout the country or throughout the world, but they got a big presence in Arizona. They put the uh, Progerians down in Florida because Mark doesn't like Florida. So he wants the Progerians to just destroy the whole state. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything seems to be going well. Paul would much rather have gotten rid of the genos and the Progerians, but Mike being the Mike that he is said, we got to protect them all. Let's give them a chance. Maybe they'll help us. And but they know that the Progerians are just waiting for the next battle cruiser to come and save them. So they're doing what they do best, which is protect their own asses, and they don't care about anything. What would you guys have done in that situation? <sighs> I know, hitting you with the hard the humanity. <laughs> All right. So it's not a humanitarian question because they're aliens that just came to our planet and destroyed the shit out of us. Let's True. put that in perspective. One one True. side did. The other slide are they're slaves. The genos are slaves to the Progerians. Yeah. So I think in a sense, like, I mean, it, I don't know if this would sound cruel or anything like that, but if the genos are already like you used to that kind of slave mentality. I'm not saying turn them into slaves, but if they're used to working and following orders, like honestly, if they would be part of like a project to help rebuild what they destroyed, they would have a purpose. They would have something to do. Mm-hmm. They have damn near unlimited strength and they can just, they can literally live like how slave masters said that slaves live. Like, oh yeah, they're living so good. It's like we could actually treat them well, but right. like you could literally put them to work and they could be actually like rebuilding and they would have a purpose. And I, honestly, I think all the chaos started with their boredom. You know yeah. what I mean? They didn't know what to do. So I think if they actually had like a bigger purpose, something they could be proud of, something that they could actually be doing more of, I think people would have seen them in a better light. And it wouldn't be like, oh, they all destroyed everything and now they're just hanging out in another state. It's like, oh, they destroyed everything, but they're actually trying to fix it. What we wish our government was doing now. That's a side note. Never mind. I'll let that go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. No, I it's hear a you. Different one. I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. It's, yeah. you know. And, and, and then I think with the with the progerians, like, I mean, if they were, if they're just biding their time anyway, why can't we just learn more for them? Like, I know we did, they did do like a lot of like modifications, learned how to run a guardian, run the guardian and everything like that. But why not more? They have been to a bajillion different planets and have almost unlimited knowledge. Mm-hmm. Get some scholars on there and try to learn some more stuff, maybe. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I think that, I, I mean... Amber honestly has the better answer than I did. I was just going to comment on the decision he made was just the lazy one. He was just like, I don't know what to fucking do. Let's just give them Florida. Like, I mean, that's just the, all right, 
I, I want to, I don't really want to deal with these guys and manage them. So yeah. we're just going to send them to where they have meth and already have alligators. So let's put meth up alligators <laughs> there. So I think that was just like the, I, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to deal with this because trying to manage those guys would be insane, but um, maybe Amber should have been in charge of all this stuff because maybe Beth might not have had such a big thing and these uh, idiots would have tried to blow everything up. I just, I don't understand. It's a, I would have off Beth from the rip. Yeah. yeah. We put up with Beth shit. Yeah. She, she gets even worse, which is mm -hmm. just, it, I don't know. Summer, what do you think? I, I agree. It's really messed up. Um, <laughs> it should have de definitely put in place more, um, you know, structure controls and monitor them that just to put them over here's florida and then let's ignore it because nothing it's not like they can work together they've they've already know how bright these guys are they <laughs> how intelligent they are so how could you think putting them in a group to their own devices they aren't going to develop and come up with a way to communicate to the genotype the way to if they if if humans were able to turn the genos why wouldn't the progerians be able to turn the genos back who are bored already so i mean it's just yeah, they really needed to. Um, it's like leaving a bunch of toddlers, you know, without supervision. That that's what, collective IQ yeah, either that's gets what lower said, or like higher. A, yeah, you know, it's 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 college kids. You know, you send them off away from their parents for the first time, and they got no supervision. It's what's going to happen. They're going to go. Mm -hmm. They're going to go freaking crazy, which they do. Um, you know, same thing with the Genos, where they're you know they're in, they created their own alcohol. That's how bored they were. You mm -hmm. know, they're distilling their own what, what is it called? Crack ass, crack ass, or crack ass, whatever it's called. So, yeah, <laughs> and drinking moxie. Yeah, it's it's oh, is moxie a real okay? Is yes. moxie a real soda pop? Oh, yeah, is, it's okay, huge. I, it's made in Maine. Okay, when I first heard it, he described it like as like I don't know, I don't remember if it was like auto part cleaner or something along those lines so i really <laughs> thought it was like an like a carburetor cleaner that they you know <laughs> no all soda technically can especially american soda because we use high fructose corn syrup instead of natural cane yeah. sugar can be used to like get rust off of your bumper and it will strip paint off of your car if you leave it mm -hmm. on there long enough but moxie is an actual <laughs> what they used to call an elixir tonic when it was when it was made back in oh. the 1800s or whatever the hell it was it was made as a a tonic to cure things you know when they they made they made, i mean heroin was legal back then as a form of of medicine so moxie back then was considered an elixir what what they had like doctors would would prescri not prescribe but carry moxie in their little things and and take uh -huh. it to patients it's like black licorice i've never Ooh. had it I used to have the Moxie energy drink when it was out. I really like that, but I've never had uh -huh. actual Moxie. And I like black licorice. I like Anisette. I like the taste of it, but I've never I had Moxie. You. I'm judging you a little bit for that one. You yeah, what? No. I'm judging you a little bit for liking black licorice. <laughs> that's a, that's a certain... You don't like black licorice? <laughs> Hell no. Oh, it's uh -uh. so good. It, it Zambuca? Like... It's like a punishment. No. Ugh. It is. It's like I'm, <laughs> like I'm eating a punishment. Like that's the candy yeah. that I my parent would give me when I got in trouble. Like that's what uh -huh. you guys have been talking to my wife, haven't you? She hates it too. <laughs> yeah. You want to dig in the but, candy bowl? Guess what you're about to fucking get. That's, uh -huh. yeah. I'll take all the black <laughs> jelly beans in the world. I'll pick them all out. Do you know what's you. funny? The um the first time I heard about Moxie, like I, I I drive a trash truck and I was um dumping recycling and there was actually a can of Moxie in there mm -hmm. and I was like. 
holy shit, it's a real thing. I had no, I had no <laughs> idea it was a real thing. Like, I happened to be listening to the book, but I was like, oh my, I was like, and this is the first time I've ever seen it in my entire life. And when I was reading the series, that's when I actually came, came upon it and I seen it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Did not know that was a real thing. <laughs> oh, this is real. Yeah, just like summer, I seriously thought that it was like something that you put in car batteries or something like you clean out your car. Like I didn't yeah, know it was a real soda. It's, it's big out here. We got a couple of stores. There's a store up in New Hampshire. I posted something in Mark's group a couple of weeks ago. We were up at uh, Zeb's up in North Conway, New Hampshire. And they got a, it's an old time uh, candy store, one of those general stores. It's a touristy thing. But they got a whole section of nothing but Moxie drinks, hats, T-shirts, bags, Wow. Beanies, anything and everything you could possibly think of. And uh, I think they make it up in Maine. They have Moxie Fest every year up in Maine. Uh, we got a show called Chronicle out here that that does like local stuff like that. And they did a whole episode on Chronicle. So I videoed it and I posted it on Mark's. If you go back, I think it's to the summertime um, on Mark's fan group page. I posted the whole the whole the whole video of it on there. I'm like, this is wow. why you, you hate Maine. I'm like, next time, the next meetup is going to be at this bar because it's a moxie bar. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So everybody's got homework. Go out and have a moxie or at least try to. No. I bet you like Jaeger too, don't you? No, I actually don't. I don't like Jaeger, but I like Sam <laughs> like, I feel I like Jaeger tastes like black licorice. Like that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think because the first time I had Jaeger, I was like, 22 and i did a shot of it and i was already shit faced out of my mind and we were in a chinese restaurant and i threw up on the table oh no. nice. so Ooh. the poo-poo platter became a puku platter, platter. <laughs> yeah you know, ever since yeah. then if i get near that and jack daniels if i go near it it's like very bad but i get uh, I, I get triggered yeah. you know you I, need, I need to that's when I need to find my safe space is when the hair, <laughs> those two things come near me. That's what makes me run for the hills. Yeah. Yeah. Absinthe I is also a uh, black licorice. Yeah. I love it. I love the black Zambuca. It's got to be chilled in the freezer and I'll shoot that all day, all night or until I pass <laughs> out, which would be after like two. Cause I'm a really big lightweight. Yeah. So. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so they fly everybody. Paul's doing a big diplomatic uh go go rah rah we got the ship up and running we got icer one teaching uh some of the younger people how to fly the guardian they bring everybody up to the ship and tracy has a bad dream and she tells mike not to go mike is about to go up to the ship paul's bringing everybody up there the press it's you know let's let's make america great again moment and you know we all know how well that's gonna go um as he goes up there there are five minutes into the whole thing, it seems. And the shit hits the fan. Um, a ship is coming out of a buckle. They know that they're going to get bombed. And was it safe to put everybody up there all at once like that? Do you think? Hell no. No. <laughs> all right. So we have the same thought. Yeah, that's literally what Mike thought. He was like, "It's not smart to have everybody up here at the same time." Like that, like mm -hmm. literally one one bomb, one shot can destroy all of the top people mm -hmm. that basically are in control of the world right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for getting rid of all the press and everything like that, but <laughs> not all the world leaders. You can't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, they go through a series of you know what's going to happen, who's how are we going to manage this, and. The Progerian vessel has, I forget what he calls them, but he's got these, they got these ships that 
board, attach onto another ship, like yeah. a sucker fish, and bore out a hole and create a vortex so they can go from one ship into the uh, into the other without it having to go to the hangar bay or anything like that. And they're they're fighting, they're getting their asses kicked, and they don't know what to do. So I don't know if it's Mike or D that comes up with the brilliant idea of, well, what if we go on this ship and we detach and go out to the mothership and try to draw attention away, which ends up happening, which kind of can, I don't know if it confused me or not, but it's, I would have thought there's a lot of subtle Star Wars undertones in this book in my opinion, or in this series, actually, because what struck me and, and, and hit me on this one was, and in Star Wars, the main Star Wars, the real Star Wars movie, and stop me if I'm getting too nerdy on all this, R2 and C-3PO go off on um, uh, uh, an escape pod. And they go off and they're like, there's another one. Nope, don't fire. There's no signs of life. You got Mike and D on what's technically an escape pod or a, a boarding ship. They go flying off and they're not getting shot at. I was wondering that, that that was just kind of, I don't know if that was Mark's way of doing that or if I'm just, you know, if I'm just reaching, I don't know. Well, they almost got shot at, you know, uh, once they realized why are they going back, you know, they, they, uh, Paul analyzed that quite a bit before finally going, this has got to be Mike. Mm-hmm. Nothing else makes sense. Especially without even without having what the camera feed went down, so he had no idea what was going on. So this whole whatever is keeping Mike alive or his good fortune or whatever his guardian angel is is somehow speaking off to these other people to say, you know, let it go. It's it's gotta be him. You know, mm-hmm. anybody else would be like, There's no way. Cook him. Only Mike's a crazy enough son of a bitch to do this. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they think it's on a Mike once again goes on a suicide mission because that's mm-hmm. what he thinks. And he has Paul call Tracy to say, uh, you know, probably going to die. We need to say goodbye. We, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Beth is being her typical Beth self telling her husband now because her and Paul are now married that she has to do everything to save Mike, save Mike, save Mike. And I, I can't stand her. I know it's meant to be that way, but it's just like, you know, can you go back to the seventies? We can just, you know, you just smack her, just give her a little, you know, (laughs) John Connery, it just give her a little smack, you know, without getting canceled. But you know, if I think if anybody deserves it, it's, it's Beth, you know, I can agree with that. I don't condone violence or anything like that, but I do (laughs) because you're a martial artist, but you're not supposed to get, you're not supposed to do violence. You're supposed to be Zen and peaceful and, you know, Absolutely not. No, oh, all right. Kick ass at all costs. <laughs> D can't, D can't uh, even stand her, so you know that's a problem. He can't even stand her, so. Yeah. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, on Mike doing the heroic thing again, going over there and just saying, you know, we're, we're, we're going, you know, no matter what. Shoot first, ask questions later. He's just very much, there's nothing else to lose. I mean, he's... He's like, there's nothing else. I'm already, I'm already dead already. So let's go ahead and go for it. But he still does have that. What you know, really does care about the others. I think it really is about you know helping and saving all the other people and watching out for his family. Um, or he just I, yeah. Um, but I, I will say just kind of back to that. So I re-listened to these really quick beforehand. You know, to kind of be prepared. 
Mm -hmm. And man, I just, I now have, I went from dislike to Beth of like seething anger at this character. I mean, she needs to be there, but God, mm -hmm. what a see you next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think like, first of all, I think Tracy's a saint. Um, I think she plays a saint in every one of the books, but she definitely is a saint on this aspect because I couldn't imagine being like head over heels in love with somebody, but then also like you have their child and you're in a constant state of war and your husband is consistently, consistently putting himself in harm's way yeah. to like, which I get it. it, it tends to work out. It always does, but God like it's, just, it's like I like I, I understand her frustration like I'm surprised she hasn't chained him down to the bed like you're just gonna stay here like we're not you're not going anywhere and and I think just again I understand the hell Mary approach it's like what else are we gonna do he's a he's a um what's he call himself a foot soldier mm -hmm. so he, he needs to be doing something so he can't just sit around idly so he needs to be doing something and I think in that respect I get it and he's like, hey, you know what? This might work. D agrees with me and he's way smarter than me. Let's go. So that was like all he needed. He's like, someone smarter than me said, it's a good idea. We're going to go do it. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many times um, uh, Tracy can get the, this is our last phone call, phone call before she's like, just don't fucking call me anymore. Just yeah. either go or be here. <laughs> like, I don't need this shit anymore. Like, stop. Yeah. Because you always right. come through and you give me, you, you give me, a, you know, you give me Ajna so many times and you know, I'm coming back no matter what. And I love this last time he does it. He forgets to call. He just shows up at the door, you know, with the Hummer. And she's like, I thought you were a military vehicle coming. It's like, Oh, sorry. I forgot to call you. you like, know? Shit, I forgot to call. My yeah, bad. Like he came home, like he's coming home late from the bar or, or, or something like that. I don't know how she does it. She's Again, saint. She's Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. But we get into it where Mike and D go over to the ship. There's a huge battle with you. Is this the? I think this is the first introduction of we really see the mutes or hear about the mutes, which is the Geno Progerian yeah. hybrid mm -hmm. mix that they have. Yeah, and the mutes can't yeah. be reasoned with, can't be bargained with. You know, the the mutes are like Michael Myers. They just have one mission in in mind, and they just want to kill and serve their masters and you know it's it's kill all the humans they want to kill the genos you know you find out later in book five that they're at, at war with the genos as a huge battle uh -huh. and they're just <laughs> hell-bent on destroying everything and everyone where they round up all the genos on the ship and they're going to suck them all out into the atmosphere and they're going to kill all of them until mike and d surrender until the guardian surrenders uh -huh. and you know Mike and D once again go on another. It's a suicide mission within a suicide mission because uh -huh. they're going uh -huh. into the the mess hall where the mutes have all the genos round up, and they're going to try to free the genos, who the genos are still trying to kill. You know, Mike and D, even though D yeah. is a geno and D has sworn that he won't kill any more genos or he won't fight against his own kind or kill his own kind. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's a battle within a battle within a. You know, it's like a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, the, it's going. It's, the the the. I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's it's bananas. I feel like you're you're not you're not ready for such a dramatic dynamic because mm -hmm. at one point, like it's like there's such a hierarchy. Like you have the progerians that rule the ship, and you have the mutes that are just 
like buffed up bodyguards and just terminators in their own right but then you have the genos who are pretty damn strong in their own right and very intelligent and have like it seems like they have um they have a level of self-awareness and understanding and they're they're able to change they're not as like the genos were raised to believe they're there to die for the progerians but the mutes were made to die for the progerians and whatever Mm -hmm. they said so i think that subtle difference between the two allowed the genos to be able to you know cause conflict grow change but then also in a split second change their mind on who they want to fight yeah no that that makes sense that makes sense so yeah you're shaking your head up there what do you think He found his headphones. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. His headphones. there you go. <laughs> okay, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Yeah, I just want to make sure. I just my daughter was like, "Put these headphones on, so I don't have to hear your friends talking so loudly." And I'm like, All right, just, <laughs> "Just angry, angry women." Um, I think. Um, sorry, what was the question we were posing? <sighs> my bad. We, we were just Pepsi. talking about the suicide mission, the suicide mission within a suicide mission of. Uh, Mike being on the ship and then having to go save the Geno, the um, uh, Genos, the Genos from the mutes. Um, at the mutes, I mean, we find out later why they were engineered, um, and they're just twice as scary. I can't imagine walking into uh, a, a space and being like, "Oh, that that thing that we were already scared of." Well, imagine it on steroids and yeah. angrier and we better. Made it ten- like we made it bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I i can't imagine the the mind frame that went into that and then thinking that you, whatever force you have because you know they're they're constantly analyzing their numbers throughout this part and saying you know we've got ten thousand. how many do they have you know and they're like well actually no matter how, what overwhelming force we have towards these people we're gonna have to have like 10 times more because they're just they're just almost unstoppable killing machines and you know i mean wh- where do you go from that you know you just think about all right cool i'm i'm just gonna you know, hope that I can take out six of them. And then, you know, my, my numbers will be around the same, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I can, maybe I can make a dent in this force just by walking in this room. They're like, Oh yeah, this, this room's fortified. Um, we're going to walk in there with a hundred. There's four of them. So maybe, you know, I just can't even imagine that, that, that thought process, you know? Yeah. No kidding. Right. I, but it really is like one, it, it, it almost squirrels. It's like, okay, we have this shit show. We're not going to finish this one. Let's j- run into this other shit show. Oh, wait, no, let's double down and let's get these mutes in here. And then let's, you know, it's just like, we still haven't solved this back here. So it's like, even <laughs> diving into these other things, we still haven't stopped the whole, oh, crap in the beginning. So it really mm-hmm. is, it just kind of ramps up. But it's like, I guess, you know, there's there's no going back. We got to just keep going forward, keep going forward and see what the heck happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they go so forward uh, <laughs> as to break Progerian, genogerian, whatever the, the the law is that they have of not crashing a ship during a buckle. So they end up getting mm-hmm. Icer One, uh, kind of the hero of this this little tale here. Yeah. They get over to the main ship, and Paul is salivating at getting his hand on that destroyer, thinking, you know, mm-hmm. this is our chance. This is our chance. And he, Paul's very much of the mindset of we have a chance to do this, Mike. I think Mike knows there's no way in hell we're going to do this. We just got to hit them with everything. But Paul is still forever the optimist, you know, thinking Beth's going to love him, thinking that if he get this ship, if I just do this one more thing, it'll make it better. If I just do this one more thing, 
it'll make it better. So Paul wants to get his hand on the destroyer. That's literally kicking the crap out of him. And the only reason it stops destroy it stops blowing up the Guardian is because Mike and D have issued their have gotten the the Pajarians to surrender or the the mutes to surrender mm-hmm. on that ship. So they fly ISO one over and they have the plan of there's another battleship coming in. It's it's in the buckle. They can the 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 the, the space wave space ripple is coming and they know it's coming and uh, they have the D got the radical idea of it's going to break all the the commandments. But if we sh- slam this ship into the other ship in the buckle, it will destroy it. And they do that. And Paul is furious. Once again, Mike goes against Paul's rules, Paul's commands, and but Mike does it better. You know? Which I think is what ultimately always pisses Paul off. Mm-hmm. Like, he always comes through. He always does it better. And it may not be I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like like Paul's very dictatorship. Like it's either his way or the highway. Like I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm surprised. Like when Mike got back onto the Guardian, that he didn't just shoot. Like he didn't shoot Mike. Like I feel like he was that pissed. Like yeah. that he that he's back over there. It's bananas. Well, yeah. Paul just forever. He wants the girl. He wants the power. <laughs> he wants the next battleship. He wants the next. Uh, what is it meet and greet things where everybody has attention mm. on him it's just this ego mm-hmm. is so freaking big it's he just wants it all i love that when he plays he's trying to play general he's trying to play commander he's trying to play the larger than life character and he's always arguing with mike and when he gets he feels threatened mike can't call him paul it's general call me no. general um. and then you know mike calls him out in his bs and you just you can feel it and i don't know if it's in um uh, that guy that does the, the the voices thing, I can't think of his name now. Sean, Sean, Sean when Sean, and I think this is what it makes Sean such a great voice actor and a great, great narrator and an actor in his own right, that he can convey that Paul just has that moment. You can feel Paul just go, fuck, I'm wrong. Mike, I need your help again, which happens. I, I can't, I've, I've stopped counting. How many times that's uh-huh. happened? You know, it's not, it's general, it's general. Oh, shit. No, Mike, I need your help, please. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> he just goes begging for it. So, but Mike's had it. Mike quits. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. And, you know, he's got a nice two-week vacation, so to speak, down to, which I didn't understand. They let him live. He lived on a military base. If you quit the military, do you still get to live on the base? Or do you have to leave the base and go live someplace else? Or is there any place else for him to go? I mean, um, in this world, in this world, no. But in that <laughs> world, I'm sure it was just like, it was just like, whatever. Like, I think Paul had bigger things on his mind than kicking, than fully kicking Mike out. And he probably mm-hmm. didn't want to either. But like, like whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. He wants to keep Mike close, no matter what. Yeah. yeah, do you think it's keep your friends close and your enemies closer because of the whole he feels threat? Because Beth is putting in Paul's ear. Mike wants to take over. Mike wants your job. Mike wants to be the supreme commander. You know, Mike wants to oust you. And Paul, being an idiot, listens to her and believes it and goes as far as to send them again 
it's not on a suicide mission. It's on a death mission, you know, yeah. sends Mike and Tracy both out there to, 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 or sends Tracy out there to do it. You know, while Mike's mm-hmm. laid up in the hospital. That in itself is just crazy. Cause it's like Mike, <clears throat> Mike again was going to fix another one of Paul's problems. Mm-hmm. And within that, he almost dies again. Then while he's laid up, after he was, he got injured by trying to save your ass, like <laughs> save your face, save a whole race of genos. And he's in the hospital and you send his wife to a, 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 a death mission. Like even, even D told him like straight up, like before, like there were more qualified people to go. Like there was really no reason for him to send Tracy. You know, again, I'm surprised Mike didn't shoot Paul for that shit. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they find out that there's the, um, the Gino uprising. There was a bomb, uh, Mm-hmm. That got set off in the middle of the Gino thing during a delivery run. These two guys got paid some extra cash that they said to just haul whatever is in the back. And it ends up being a bomb that destroys a lot of the Genos. And the Genos get pissed and they're starting a riot. Somebody is poking the bear in, in starting a fight. So Paul comes to Mike a couple weeks later. Calm down. I'm surprised he didn't come with the six pack of beer in his hand to say, hey, you know, we need to talk. Uh Somebody's blowing up the Genos. Mike goes over and gets D. Mike and D go out to try and talk some sense into the Genos to get them to calm down, to play mediator because that's what Mike does rather than just going blowing up the entire Geno city out there in Arizona. Mike well, doesn't in- actually Beth come and say, "Hey, there was a bo- uh, Paul's yeah, going to yeah. bomb the Genos." Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Beth, right. That's right. Beth instigated that. Do you think Beth did that because she wanted to get rid of to get Mike out of the way or because I, I'm not sure what her motivation is cuz she wants wants Mike she wants to be wants Mike to come to her I I'm not understanding why she actually gave him the heads up to say this bombing was happening because yeah, she had to have known he's going to go run in and try to save that I think the only reason that I thought of why she would do that was to get in Mike's favor Oh yeah. yeah, just try to That's carry the only with him. Oh, thing look I can Paul's think of. Doing. Look what Paul's what? doing. He's such Big a piece bad of Paul. Yeah. yeah, she's playing one friend off of the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. women that don't is. do that in real life. No. So. <laughs> you know, I think it's odd the um the the relationship and like you read it, and of course Mike's the hero in these stories, but then like you kind of take a step back from it. I was just thinking about this a second ago when you were talking about it. Um. Mike kind of fucks Paul over so often. I'd kind of be a piece of shit to Mike too. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm going to give you these orders. All right, you fucked them up. Even though what you did went well, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't fucking listen. Oh, wait, my ex-girlfriend, now you're banging her. And she's in fucking love with you. And she marries me and is still in love with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just the the multitude of things that Mike does is, I mean, some of it, of course, is warranted and it just happens by proxy. But other times it's like, are you almost like if I was if I was Paul, I'd be like, you you gotta be fucking kidding me. You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> you again? disobeyed again? orders again? No, you did But it works out. If I I mean, I've never served in the military, I've never really been in charge of anything. I don't want to be in charge of anything because I just don't, you know. Um I think if I was Paul, I would just let Mike do what he wants because it always works out. I think Paul is that one person 
that is always saying, no, you're going to listen to me. This It's kind of like me trying to parent my, my, my children. It's no, you're going to listen to me because I know what's best, but they're going to go and do whatever the hell they want. Granted with my kids, it doesn't always work out, you know, the way it should, but with Mike, it does. I don't understand why Paul just doesn't say, Mike, you run your own squad. You know, your, your, your task force X, you're running the suicide squad, literally do what you got to do. And let's meet up at the end. Well, well if I you're, think, if you're, uh, go, ahead, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I think if you, if you look at it, like, okay, so Mike was gone for mad long and did all those fights, changed his mentality and everything like that. And ever since book one, like Paul has had people under his command and not one motherfucker has not listened to what he had to say mm-hmm. until his best friend who is, who everybody knows who the hell he is. And who everybody reveres, respects just by name, he is doing whatever the hell he wants. Like it's 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 a it got to be a complete consistent like slap to his ego that the the like it's it's literally the hierarchy in this new world that's there is like Paul and Mike. Like and Paul thinks he's all the way to heck up here, and Mike is like I'm just here you know i'm just doing my shit down here but Mm -hmm. everybody thinks mike is all the way up here you know so it's it's really it's really it got to be really conflicting for paul because he's literally the ruler of the you know the only army military in the world and he can't command one person yet that one person is just as famous as he is so i think that got to be like the biggest like um emotional problem there like this is somebody i love i care i've loved i care about we've been through so much stuff but he won't listen to me but him in the in the same respect he's not listening but he's getting shit done that no one else is getting done so it's like ego. paul's got an absolutely, ego. absolutely 100 mm-hmm. percent. but they both are also scared kids because you'll hear them both say at different times of i i should just be having a good paying jobs and partying on the weekends with my buddies. It was just, I should just have been partying, you know? So I think there, there's like, is there an adult or adult around? You know, we've all been <laughs> in those situations. Yeah, they're technically still in their early twenties. Yeah. You know, yeah. even by the time the story ends, they're, yeah. they're, they're still kids, you know, yeah. they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're babies, so to speak. Right. They're, you know, adults in the eyes of the world, yeah. but men- mentally, yeah. you know, your, your, your frontal lobe doesn't dev- finish fully develop until you're 25. But remember, Paul was the cool guy in high in college. He was mm-hmm. the popular guy. All the girls loved him. He was at all the parties, and uh, Mike was his kind of fifth wheel or third, whatever. He was. Uh, Mike was never the cool guy. So now all of a sudden, like uh, Amber is saying, you know, he's got all this clout. People recognize him. So this ego is now. He doesn't know how to share. Maybe spotlight. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. Not enough people in the world, I guess. And Paul wants to. <laughs> Paul wants to do it. So yeah, but, you got to think when um the I was gonna make the exact same point that Amber was gonna make. You know, Paul's been been running this shit while Mike's gaining his notoriety and you know uh, got his uh you know his his fame is growing. But on top of it, like Paul built that shit from the ground up with nobody's help. I mean, the general help behind the scenes, but like when he was building Indian Hill, nobody knew what the fuck was happening. Like he yeah. was just doing that shit behind the scenes. So you know, he's got this whole structure. You know, and I I grew up in a military town. I never served, but um you know there's there, there's a there's nothing but structure you know every day is scheduled you know what you're going to do every minute of your shift you know what i mean like everything's ranked out so you know to have um 
you know, the the typhoid Mary run in there and just fuck everything up, but still come out with the the end results that you were looking for. You know, it it pisses you off, especially with the guy that stole your girlfriend and gave her back to you, you know, still wanting more and then, you know, still taking all the all the all the glory and fame right out from under you. You know, it's just a it's it's I'd send his ass to fucking to pick up a nuke too. <laughs> now, do you think if Beth wasn't instigating that Mike and Paul would have as much of a rift between them? No, not at all. No, you think no. they'd be side by side, general I think and there'd commander? Probably be some like fucking like you know probably some machismo. There's probably a lot of wiener measuring going on between two guys that are both alpha males. But you know when you get shit done and you can't, you know I mean they. They still grew up on the same rooftop, you know, and looking down girls' shirts and stuff. And that young age, it's really easy to, I mean, as a guy, and I'm, I, you say that as a guy, but I know that girls are sometimes, most of the time the same way. Like, you get into a fist fight, you bleed each other's nose, you get back to, everything's fine. So, you know, you get into a wiener measuring contest, you do your little sword fight, then you get back to, you're like, all right, you know, we got to still go to save the planet. I don't think without Demoness in his ear saying, you know, beat him, beat him, beat him. You don't uh, you don't get shitty, shitty Paul. You get, you know, Paul that's Paul that did everything that he did before Mike ever showed up was, you know, mm-hmm. straight edge. I'm knocking all this shit out. I'm handling it. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm only sleeping two or three hours a night. I keep a gun under my desk. You know, that up until that point, every time you encounter Paul, he's like he's the guy. You know, you walk into Paul's room when that dude had the bomb. And I think that was book two or mm-hmm. maybe even book three. You know, walk into Paul's room. Paul slept. 15 minutes he's got his gun in his hand he's ready to knock shit out you meet paul in this book and you get like kind of like sleazy politician vibes and i think that's all just beth weaseling that little fucking worm in his ear i think that they they would definitely have a better relationship but i also feel like mike's life would have still went on with tracy and being pregnant and having diaz a just another good best friend like i think there might have been added some added jealousy on that like on on there but it, i don't think it would have been as deep as with beth in his ear yeah no i agree with all three of you on that fact so so mike and paul uh, mike and paul mike and d go out to the geno city mike sustains a massive injury during a fight with a geno teenager who is basically the size of you know a full-grown man doesn't realize that the injury is as bad until he gets back home and he's in the shower and he passes out. He's got internal bleeding on his side. Tracy goes and gets D. D carries Mike to the hospital. While Mike is out, this is when Paul comes to Tracy and says, there's 300, how many thousand Genos running toward a munitions factory in California. You need to go stop them. I need you to go command these troops and go stop them. Paul sends Beth, uh, Beth, Paul sends Tracy out on a mission that another, you know, I hate to use the word suicide mission, but it's, he's sending her out there to die, to go get killed on the front line. Hold that line as much as you can. This is, you know, General Custard up there on the hill with all the Indians. It's, you're going to do it no matter Mm. what at any cost. And she does, she does it. She doesn't fail. Tracy's a rock star in this, She's in that this whole series. She really She's is. Badass. Total badass. Mm-hmm. You know, Total I badass. want a Tracy side story. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's give a, you know, a, a pre-war or a Tracy timeline on this. Mark, make mm-hmm. this happen. All right. After you oh, write yeah. the new Indian Hill book, you yes. go work on mm-hmm. another, a, a Tracy Talbot tale. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That so, could be your new Indian Hill book. There you go. Because uh, So Mike wakes up. He finds out that from D that Tracy went out to go do it. Mike puts D in charge of Travis, Travis. to protect his son while Mike goes to get Tracy. And this is where I think everybody had an audible gasp and a yes moment. Mike meets BT for the first time. Oh, yes. <laughs> I couldn't fucking wait until, oh my God, I was so glad BT. I didn't know BT was in this book until, because my wife didn't give me any spoilers. Yep. But I was I, so glad. I was so glad. BT I had came forgot about BT. I felt bad. How could you? I know. How could you stop? You're four books in and you haven't heard. I'm like, all right, he didn't put BT into this one you know he put i didn't think there was space for him i didn't know how he was going to come through like yeah. was, i was like okay we're still going cool yep but it's alternate timeline bt because he's not a cop yet he went to do the cop entrance exam but he's now a gang leader in east mm-hmm. la yeah because mm-hmm. everybody's 20 years are 20 years uh younger in this version yep. so it's bt 20 years before him yep and he went to do the cop you know the entrance exam and all that stuff and then the world went to shit so bt's protecting his neighborhood um oh shit i don't think i ever realized that indian hill was 20 years before zf mike's like in his 40s uh yeah you know midlife crisis digging ditches for the public works type of thing Hmm. yeah i i had actually gotten to the point in this one or through this part of the indian hill series where i had figured okay somehow they're gonna have a big reveal that actually draw Babon is bt in some way just because he was that big guy <laughs> they hadn't heard from him. like there's no way they can't have a shout out so then when this came out it was just like same thing just yes finally he's yeah. there yeah i kind of per- portrayed um d as um as bt for it because he does it, he banters he saves his life consistently like he he is sarcastic like he, uh, just another person is willing to die for for mike but just prefers to save his life consistently yeah and it's funny you get i think uh up in book six you know you get bt and drababin meet each other and they're both no he's my best friend no he's my best friend no he's I my know, best friend <laughs> they get that little, that little battle which is just you know it's hilarious we'll get to that in you know in next week's show but it's, it's almost like the funny. girl's back on the ship. It's like, he's mm-hmm. my boyfriend. He's my boyfriend. Yeah. Everybody's mm-hmm. fighting over fighting Mike, him. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Except for got- Tracy, because she knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, and Tracy's mm-hmm. just like, you're an idiot. You know, get home and shut the hell up, <laughs> you know? Yes. So so Mike meets BT. Um, they end up having their exchange. BT shows Mike the wall, which is a huge thing of glass that he did that they discovered when doing target practice he says dissipates the effects of the blue geno rifles or whatever their their ray guns are mm-hmm. and bt also has a rail gun which is some extra tech he didn't he tells mike we got it from you know a, a, a friend or an anonymous source doesn't tell him that he met the strivers yet you've heard mention of the strivers in books one, two, and three, but you've never really heard more of a mention of it. You're like, okay, what's well, a striver? They're just another alien, whatever. Yeah, they're another mm-hmm. alien that the Progerians have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And BT mentions the strivers. So you're like, oh, okay, that's something. I knew something was going to happen with the strivers because they kept mentioning them. You don't mention something that much if you're not going to incorporate it mm-hmm. or elaborate more on the story of of what the hell a striver is. Um, 
and you find out what a striver is. Mike, BT, and Tracy, they finally get to the the, the mission, the, the munitions, ammunition, or it's whatever the hell it is, the factory, mm-hmm. and it's empty. It's just a loudspeaker system, uh, you know, the, the, the big, tall speakers from the 80s that is just cranking out machinery noises. They're burning oil in the furnace to make it look like it's working, but nobody's there. And BT opens up the closet and it's like, oh, fuck, there's a <laughs> nuclear bomb in this closet. Okay, kids, we got to go. Hey. Time to go. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in the car. Come on. Um, but, of course, Mike being Mike says he has to go and protect. There's two town settlements in the the vicinity. Nuclear blast has like Pause. a yes. Pause on that one. It was Tracy that wanted to do a mic yep. was like, let's get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Was it Tracy? Tr- yep. I'm Tracy so used to Mike wanting to yeah. save the day. Me too. That's why I was so surprised. <laughs> but Mike was like, now nah, we gotta go. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well even BT was like, they're not gonna listen. No. Mm-hmm. And like I always say, no good deed goes unpunished. So they go to one settlement and um, you know. They, they they listen, but they don't listen, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. They go to the second one, and immediately they start opening fire on them. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. going back to a little bit of the Tracy story when she was there, she had her her driver and her kind of bodyguard, mm-hmm. uh, Rut, right. that can't drive for shit, but has got by Tracy's side, kind of has his little man crush on Tracy, as BT likes to put it. He gets mm-hmm. He gets shot and killed. And it's, mm-hmm. I was kind of sad about that, that because I liked Rut. And I've I've learned in Mark's stories, if there's a minor character and like the, what they'll say in, in book five, it's it's the red shirt, you know, boarding party from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. If you put on a red shirt and you're going down to the alien planet, you're going to get killed in that, that week's mm-hmm. episode. And I kind of like the red shirt guys that Mark puts in these stories. I like, I liked Rut. I thought he was a, a good character, mm-hmm. but sadly... Yeah, you get rut. You get that guy that was her like lieutenant um, Mm -hmm. up in the one that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all those people like you're like, oh, that dude's badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's like Walking Dead. It's like don't get used to that character. Yeah, they they might not be here next week. Now, I stopped but it is like Glenn. I stopped after Glenn died. I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. What were you gonna say, Scott? No. Just Tracy seems to have a guardian angel over her in this this one too, just like Mike does. There's something somebody always kind of looking out for her. Like what what was his name? Would say it was Jack that he ignored her orders to make sure that they got away when they're chasing after the Genogerians. Mm-hmm. So and did anybody oh. pick up that they brought Alex in on the story? That's exactly what I was just about to say. I was yeah. like, Alex is coming <laughs> out, and I was like, oh, Alex. Yeah. And he mentions uh, Marta. Marta. Yeah. Is it, mm-hmm. is it Marta? 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 I know he's Marta. Spanish, so they're probably saying it differently. Marta. 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 Okay. Marta. I, I'm going by. Uh, yeah, your accent you know, is going to fuck it up. The anticipate my <laughs> wicked piss of Boston accents. Yeah, yeah. Up, so. Honestly, I didn't even pick up on it until he said, until he like said, this is for you, Martha. And I was like, oh, Alex. I didn't pick it up until the third, the, ter- the third listen through. I'm like, oh, wait, shit, that's Alex from Zombie Fallout. Holy crap. I know. Who, you know? who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? Oh, but did Tracy's you notice the that, one that um, goes out? Tracy's not your typical, I'm going to sit around and do anything. It's, it's, 
you know, one of the guys is giving her shit thinking, you know, a princess, are you going to sit here and give out orders and send us to go die? She's like, ah, no, bitch, hold my beer. I'm going out there and I'm going to go fuck shit up and you can sit back here and watch me. And she yep. does. She kicks ass. Yes. Mm -hmm. She does. So, but they're trying to get away and they come across a house and in the house or that they go into like a, a tool shed or some kind of a barn mm -hmm. and boom, there's a spaceship. And on that, on spaceship, that spaceship are two strivers. And this is when you first meet the strivers, these giant six to eight foot tall, hairy, eight legged spider type creatures. Mm -mm. Which <laughs> if mutes and genos and pajarians weren't scary enough, Let's throw in giant telepathically speaking, communicating spiders, which people don't uh -huh. like spiders. Hell no. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> yeah. like the amalgamation of like Dewey in the uh in the zombie fallout and yep. that, um the last book of zombie fallout, that that spider thing that was made out of all the yeah. other bodies. You're like you put them all together and I'm like, they got a fucking alien version of this. This is terrible. <laughs> How many times does Mark have to fuck me up with this thing? I just can't deal with it. There's no way. I'd rather deal with the melders than fucking a giant spider. Like, yeah. there's no way. There's are you no one way. of those? Are you one of those women that that shrieks at it, the side of a spider? Absolutely. I watched Arachnophobia when I was like six, and I've been terrified ever since. Like, wow. I even tried to watch. I I tried to watch it again when I was like twenty something, and I, the spiders in that movie are so fake, and I still couldn't watch it. It's we got <laughs> another one coming out. Another okay. Arachnophobia. Yep. Is Jeff Daniels in it too, or I'm traumatized from cast. the first one. Why do we need to? <laughs> well they kind of did they did eight-legged no, freaks no. with uh, I, I, our cat i don't like spiders either but no they're th this big when you're now 10 feet spider hold on that's all right everybody's Out frozen what happened things? yeah it, okay. my, my thing and my biggest thing like with with spiders it's not necessarily how they look it's the way they move i'm like why mm -hmm. do you have to move like that you have eight legs to be a lot more <laughs> elegant than that like that's the part that freaks me out like it's it has nothing to do with like anything else it's the way they move like if you're just hanging out over there i don't care fine stay in your space but then as soon as it starts moving i'm like why do you have to walk like that like you're no. being dramatic <laughs> and it's too much <laughs> and they talk they don't talk they communicate telepathically yes mm -hmm. which is in their head but mike is the only one who they have different frequencies and different thoughts that mm -hmm. they have mike can hear their inner thoughts which is we're here to help you let's eat them you know yeah mm -hmm. And Mike doesn't realize, wait, I can hear what the hell they're talking about. What is going on here? But he doesn't let on. Um, he lets Tracy know and lets BT know eventually what is happening, but doesn't let the, the strivers know what's happening because it's the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they also have to get away from the nuke because, like, he can tell. Like, think he's listening to the strivers talking. They're talking like they have like fifteen seconds until yeah. the the nuke goes off. So he's like, "Okay, everybody on, let's go!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go. Everybody on the bus, we're leaving. Mm -hmm. so. Honestly, at that point, Tracy should have known that was a red flag. Like, why are you mm -hmm. being so like, like? You've been with you see these people for one minute. Like, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. Tracy should have mm -hmm. known there was something going on right then and there. Yep. But I think she's also used to kind of ignoring him sometimes because he gets a little woo. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Good point. I get that. Yep. So pretty that's boy, where, pretty boy. Yeah. That's where book four ends. Book five starts. Um uh 
Mike BT and Tracy are on the striver ship and they're going up to they're on a shuttle. They're going up to the main striver ship uh -huh. and they are, I mean, we find actually, you find out, sorry, back in uh book for us. This is me talking faster than I think Paul ends up buckling mm -hmm. to get away <laughs> from the new, the battle cruiser coming in. So the guardian is gone. The guardian buckled. They get out of Dodge and they're in space and Mike, they want to go and try and find them. So mm -hmm. Mike, BT and Tracy are on the striver ship. The strivers say we have the technology. We can find your buckled ship. We can, it's, it's, you know, there's a, the, 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 the there's a progerian ship up there. We can fight them. We can give you help to do it. Getting help from a giant eight foot spider is very unnerving. But what choice do they have? And this is where book five starts. They're all, mm -hmm. you know, they're going up there and they get to the main, the main ship and that ship goes, it buckles and it meets up with the guardian. The guardian is kind of dead in the water out in space and they're trying to get it to work. And Paul is freaking out and Beth is pulling her shit where it's, you know, Mike would get us out of this and Mike won't let me die. And it's like, you know, just shoot her off in the space, you know. Mm -hmm. Beth, go take a look over by that door right there. You know, let me let's see what this button does. You know, how fast can we shoot her out in the space like at the end of Alien? Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's a collision alert on the Guardian. They think it's another Progerian vessel coming in, and when it comes into focus, when the Striver ship comes in, uh. The commander, the, the 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 guy running the ship, is saying, uh, "It's we don't know what this is. Don't fire on it. It's not any ship that we we've known about. They know about the Progerian ships. They know about all the the types of battle cruisers, but they don't know what a striver ship is like. Mm -hmm. And a shuttle is starting to deploy from the ship, getting ready to board, and they're getting ready to fire upon the ship, and it sends over a little." microphone or a thing they hear a, a ping on the side of the ship they don't know what it is and all of a sudden you just hear mike's voice say if you shoot this ship i'm gonna be pretty fucking pissed yeah. and paul is like are you friggin' kidding me mike's alive i sent him i sent his wife to die mike went off to go chase after him uh, uh -huh. beth told uh -huh. goes and tell paul that mike left the hospital gave travis to bt and you know, Bing. went to go find Tracy. Bing. Mike is kind of losing, Paul's kind of losing his mind saying, shit, I just sent my best friend's wife out to die. And now he's going out to die. And he's kind of the best, the best soldier we had, the best warrior and my best friend. All because he's listening to Beth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's like, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, this guy can't even fucking die when I ask him to. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? He won't follow not one order at not all. Not any of them. No. Mm -hmm. Nope. So they, uh, and, and this is the, the, another audible yes moment I had is when they get back on the guardian, Tracy walks right up to Paul and clocks him in the face. You can't yes. even be mad at that. You can't nope. no, be no. mad at that. And I don't even think Paul can't expected. be mad at it. I'm you surprised know? he didn't expect it. I'm I'm like, and that just shows how big his ego is that he didn't even expect that. Like he should have expected that when Tracy was talking to him in the in the previous book and called him out. 
on the suicide mission, like called yep. them the fuck out. Like you, you seriously, like just sent me out here to die. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And then, you know, she's on the ship. You had a good couple minutes to prepare for that hit. Like yep. you're lucky mm-hmm. you didn't get shot. Yeah. Cause he was pissed. He's like, I, I told you to hold that line. She's like, it's fucking 300,000 Gino Jarians against, you know, it's 300, so to speak, you yeah. know, you get a handful mm-hmm. of, of Marines versus these eight foot tall Genos that are just piling through everything with the one track mind of get to that factory, get to that factory. And they're plowing over everything. And Paul's pissed at her, like, get your ass up there. And I said to do this, like, well, you can say that you want us to do something, but actually being able to do it are two totally different things. Facts. You know, what do you think the motivation was there? Like, hey, you're going to send Tracy out, but you want the Genos to get close to the factory because that's where you put the nuke. So did he, was it like a, like a, so I, I don't even understand. Like, was it just to like, Hey, let's funnel them. Let's have them fight. Then they're bloody. Then they're going to be pissed off. So they're going to run to the factory faster. Or was it to slow it down? Cause the bomb was on a timer. Like I just, I, I, I don't understand other than just to send her there to die. I can't even imagine why she would be sent to hold that hill. If she's got her back to a nuke, unless it was, this bitch is going to be dead either with the progeria or the genos or the bomb's going to take her ass out. I think he was surprised that she was still alive yeah. when, when he talked to her, you know, and he was telling her, get your ass back up there, hold that line. I told you to hold that line, knowing full well, she ain't holding that line. They're going to uh-huh. take on casualties. And Paul wants, hate to say it, he wants Tracy to die. I think he sent her out there with the intention of her not coming back. Well, well yeah, yeah. She had a nuke to her back and she had 300,000 genos to her front. There really wasn't anywhere that she would survive that. Yeah. We're going to say, yeah, they even, they even said that in um, Aaron, they even said that in part of the book, like all these wasted soldiers, all these kids that are out here, they're they're literally, it's like Tracy knew there was no way to win. Mm -hmm. And then when she figured out a tactic to actually like slow them the fuck down, like she implemented that. And I think even that just shows that Paul really didn't give a fuck because even after she called him out on his bullshit and um, she started talking about like, what she was like well the tactic is he hung up so i'm like what do you what am i here for right you know what i mean like at this point like there's not just blind following like it's you're you're something thrown in your head paul even admits that um uh, to beth it's like you just want to trade you talk me into sending tracy away because then you would console paul or console uh, uh mike but was Paul in his mind thinking, I send Tracy, I know Mike's going to follow. Now I'm not going to have to worry about Mike anymore because this is a suicide mission. And now Beth won't even worry about all of that. And I don't have to share my light with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the back of his mind, he's sending Tracy out there because he knows Mike will follow, even though he's all broke up. That makes sense. Sounds like, a, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. Because normally Paul will never waste uh materials won't isn't going to waste resources people are resources he's always about you know how much that cost us to get the thing and so i it, it i think beth was enough in his brain that's my opinion because otherwise none of it makes sense like you said uh aaron that it's just what are they just slowing them they they knew this could not win there was nothing to accomplish there if they already had a bomb there that's where you wanted them to be anyway right i mean you know and you don't have the people to to waste right you know, why waste really all those foot soldiers that could have been fighting it was and, and i know we added it into the story versus you know to 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 make the 
you know, the, the, the drama and everything <laughs> else, you know, make it happen, but it just could have very easily been taken care of. Let the Genos get to, to California, blow them up and they're just going to shoot Tracy. But, that wouldn't mm-hmm. have been as as good of a storyline. What happened all the gang member brothers? What happened to all of them? Did they just did they get killed in a fight or some of them died and then the rest of them were just still doing their own thing? Because when they all went when they teamed up with Mike to continue fighting, um, I think that after um they got to a certain point in the battle, then BT just decided to stay with Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't Speaking think they of- all died. Speaking of what happened to somebody, this is going back a little bit, but at the end of the last book, or uh, book four, Drababan, Tony, and Travis leave his cabin. Mm-hmm. We know the cabin's good. But his sister and brother Ron were at the cabin when Drababan um, got there. But then you don't hear about them again. So did they just get left behind and blown up? Or anybody? They drove yeah, away. And then, the shock troops, and then the shock troops show up at right. their house. You know what yeah. I mean? Just like, yeah. no, they're cool. Mike's not there. They're going to be completely fine with the sister and shit. Like, that's weird, isn't it? That's yeah. a good question. Yeah, like, why did only Tony go? And Tony's like the worst one to go, right? I mean, the hell of a shot, but he's probably like the worst one that you would have picked to make a trek in the middle of winter out oh. out there. Like, mm. <laughs> but Aaron, to answer your question from two questions ago, I think I know the point of Paul sending Tracy out there. All right. Mike would have never met BT. That would have been the only reason. How do I get BT in the story? All right, I'll come up with this elaborate thing <laughs> on how to send him out there just to get BT in the story. That's so the only way. That's what you're saying. It was Trip that put that shit in uh, Paul's head. He's like, actually, yep. you need to send Tracy out there. So Mike goes, because you got to get BT together because the Green Wizard can't do this shit by himself. Nope. He can't he can't <laughs> good point good point so so they're up on the the guardian now mike is there the the striver they mike introduces the strivers to paul and the rest of the guys they're telling them that the strivers can fix the buckle drive they can do the repairs on the ship that they need to get back to earth because the guardian if it had to go back to earth without the buckle drive would have took 22 years to do on their own and who knows what the earth would have been like. It w- wouldn't even be there still if they did, if they didn't get the buckle drive done and they just started heading back at their normal pace. So the strivers fixing the buckle drive, they're doing their things. And Mike can hear the inner thoughts of the strivers and he's trying to they ever explain that. Explain what? Why he can hear their thoughts. No, <laughs> that's true. They think it's, he thinks it might be because of the alien go-go juice. Okay. That um that they shot him up. They shot him up with so much of it that he's 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 enhanced that enough that he can hear it. But they he ne- they never go into an exact explanation. And I think he even says, I don't know why, but I can hear them. But I'm not gonna lie. I thought I thought them. my my perspective on it was this in this book and the last one, he has had so many um connections with people who have passed or um out of body like situations where he travels to other um universes and stuff because he talks yeah. about uh, like he uh, there's a whole bunch of times where he's traveling to other dimensions or you know talking to uh 
uh, who's Dennis one of them? Dennis. And you know, he's talking to Dennis that passed, and then he's um he he has that other moment where Tracy and Trip are melded together, and it goes away. He he travels again, and he fucking sees um Debbie the Whistlers and stuff. Like so, I think these books were the ones where his I think his consciousness was damn near the most open, but then him like he took the most fucking go-go juice in this short amount of time like it was literally week like weeks instead of like months when he was on the ship so that could it could be like a combination of all of that put together Mm -hmm. well he has the doctor give it to him in the hospital too back in book four to help him heal faster so he can get out to go get tracy because he knows that tracy's in trouble so he tells the doctor you shoot me up with as much as you possibly can you know this six month recovery is going to be six days or then, however they long it they is. Altered it too? Then they said that they altered it too for humans. Like they all they altered it a little bit differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that because in book five is kind of where Shrouded World crosses over a little bit because you you meet Trip, you know, later on in the story. We'll talk about that. But Mike even mentions that he sees and part of the story, and we're skipping ahead a little bit. Um, as he's having visions of Dennis when he's Mike is mm-hmm. damn near death. You know, when Dennis is saying, it's not your time, you know, Mike can't, Mike wants to hug Dennis. You know, you can't hug me. We, we, you're, you're, you're not dead, but your consciousness is that far gone. And you're in that kind of the spirit realm mm-hmm. of that, the in-between. So Mike is teetering in between the land of the living and the land of the dead. But you find out later on, and I kind of wonder this myself, is it because of the whole shrouded world connection that Mark just went Okay, we're going to make everything intersect here. You know, here's the mm-hmm. crossroads. Zombie Fallout's going to meet here. Shrouded World's going to meet here. Indian Hill's going to meet here. Um, and we're, we're going to kind of bring it all together because Mike sees a whistler for a second on a motorcycle in his vision. And he sees a long, gray, bearded man, which is Trip, for a split mm-hmm. second when uh, when they're at the, over, uh, the underpass as they're getting chased. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's later on in the story too, but... I forget where I was going with all of this, um, mm-hmm. but it's, th- this is where everything starts to intersect. So Mike is so, I think he's taken so much of the go-go juice. It's kind of acting like, you know, what they're saying, psilocybin and microdosing mushrooms and stuff like that is doing mm-hmm. now. It's opening up your consciousness to other things, mm-hmm. using more of your brain power that that's kind of allowing him to see outside of the, the realm of reality and into the shrouded world. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. yeah. We, went deep. we went deep into that one. Yeah. That. I did. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot where I was going with for a second. I brought myself back. I'm like, what the, how did I get off of this tangent? What the hell am I talking about? Uh, that's something I really enjoy about these books though, is I, you know, usually I read a book and I'm one and done, but as I reread these books, Every time there's a new egg that I'm like, like you just pointed out, oh, it was Alex and Martha, you know, and you realize, mm-hmm. and there's just every time I hear it, there's just something, a new aha moment. And it's almost like this choose your own adventure books when you're little. It's like, okay, now I have to go read this one. Those now are the only kind of stories one. I used to read when I was a kid. Yeah. I hated mm-hmm. reading books, but choose your own adventures I would yeah. read. I love those. Nice. Yeah. So, so the strivers are on the ship. Mike knows that the strivers want to, they want to kill him. And Mike has uh-huh. named two of the strivers, Cherry and Ham, because he hates Cherry Pop-Tarts and he hates and Ham. Um, well, he hates anything cherry, cherry, uh, cherry flavored, anything. Yep. Um, 
so he knows that the strivers want to eat Paul and they want to do all this. So they're in the meeting and one of the strivers is just going to go eat Paul. And Mike can't tell everybody that he can hear them. So he holds one of them hostage kind of with the gun and tells mm -hmm. them, we're going back over to your ship. You're going to cut the shit. Uh, I'm going to tell your, your head dude what you're trying to do because they don't want you to kill me or kill us because you need us because the strivers need the humans to fight the progerians. Mm -hmm. The progerians need the mutes in the genos to fight the humans. The humans need the strivers to fight the progerians. And it's everybody's fighting with each other. But at the end of it, it's, you know, only one of us are going to survive this whole thing. It's, you know, okay, the enemy of my enemy is my friend until they're now my enemy because they've gotten rid of my enemy's enemy or, mm -hmm. you know. So they go back onto the ship. They get BT. Uh, BT got shot uh, in the leg or got nicked in the leg. Mike got shot in the shoulder or whatever it was. And BT freaks out thinking he's got Talbot blood, you know, mixed in with them and everything. <laughs> that else. was hilarious. Oh my <laughs> that was hilarious. This is the funniest book of the series so far. Like there's so many good one-liners in it. I just like, you know, the, the, and it was either I was anxious about shit that was happening. I was cheering for the good guys. I was damning Beth or I was just cracking the fuck up because Drababin and BT just had some of the best banter with not even that they didn't have to be bantering with Mike. They'd be talking like um, uh, Drababin and uh, Tony talking or the all the people that Tony and Drababin met on their journey. Like, I'd just be cracking up. He's funny as shit. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's a good it's they definitely got a couple of, uh, you know, a lot of comedic elements in this story. Definitely. Um. So they get to the thing. Mike finds a striver working over by his his quarters. Yeah, and he knocks him out, brings him into the his quarters, gets BT. BT's pissed that he brought a striver in there, but they want to find out what can happen. How do they control the strivers? How do the strivers? What what can they do to when all this is hap is over? How do you defeat the strivers? How do you defeat an eight foot uh, spider that wants to kill mm -hmm. you. So, but they find out that this striver wasn't supposed to be there. He was sent there from Ham or Cherry, I believe it was Ham, yeah. and kill Mike. So the striver leader doesn't know that he's on the ship to kill Mike. So Mike can do whatever he wants to him. He finds out that he's not supposed to be there. He's sent as an assassin. So no one's going to miss him. They're not going to miss this driver. It's not, he's not going to check in for roll call. So they do experiments on him. And this is where Doc Baker comes into the story because Doc Baker is on the ship uh, without pork chop. Kind of sad that there was no pork chop in this, mm -hmm. book, this uh -huh. story. Yep. But Doc Baker starts running tests on the striver. And Mike I don't want brings, you to forget the part that BT yeah. or that Mike made BT look for his dick. That was fucking yeah. phenomenal. That was hilarious. <laughs> yes. yes laugh out loud. The, like the five minutes of him saying, I'm going to tell everybody he did that. I'm gonna, da, da, da. He's like, I'm going to have to kill your husband. That would be five minutes. I'm just fucking dying in the car. <laughs> yeah. Spider penis. Mm -hmm. Spider penis. Yep. Spider penis. Uh, it was great. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So Doc Baker is going to start experimenting on the strivers and kind of figuring out how it all works. They get the ship back up and running. They know that there are two giant battle cruisers just hammering 
earth. The Striver leader has told them that, you know, all the major cities have been leveled. The Progerians are back. They're pissed. They're destroying, they're destroying the planet. Yeah, because we broke the Geneva Convention of the of the Progerians by busting that busting them while they're in buckle. Yeah. So it's it's all, you know, all bets are off. Now the gloves are off, so to speak, and the Progerians are just going nuts. So they buckle back to earth but not fully back to earth at this part it kind of confused me because paul's tactic to fight the the progerians is to kind of go you know old world kamikaze uh pilot go in hit them hard and then run you know they're not doing the typical military british army you stand in a straight line and everybody fire you fire at me i'm gonna fire mm-hmm. at you and, and back and forth they're gonna buckle come out of the buckle hit them and then rebuckle and then come back out again. But when they do it the first time, Mike Tracy and BT are on a shuttle because they want to get back to earth because they want to, Mike and Tracy want to get back to Travis. Uh So they're doing that while Paul's coming out of the buckle and hitting the ship, Mike, BT and Tracy are on a shuttle heading to earth. Now they're getting shot at, they're getting chased and it's, you know, a, a, a chase within a chase, but they end up coming back down they crash land. They're getting shot, which again was kind of some of the funniest shit in the story mm-hmm. with Mike with the parachute. Uh, you know, there's like twelve of them in there, and he's yeah. like fucking kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike. Mike jumps out to try to save a parachute, and he's all he's so excited about saving this parachute. And Tracy's like, "Are you an idiot? There's twelve of them on the damn thing. Let that one go." <laughs> So, Have you noticed too? Also, in every each series, somebody's the terrible driver. In this series, it's Tracy. Um, is it Zombie Fallout? I think is when uh, Mike's the terrible driver, and then I can't remember another one where his brother is the terrible driver. Yep. And then they had Rut in the last book. Well, Mike can't mm-hmm. drive a stick. That's Mike's problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but this is when you see Tracy like. Tracy's been a badass, but in this like little montage where they talk about it, they talk about who she shoots better than Mike. They yep. talk about how, you know, she just got done decking Paul, which everybody hoped that Mike would do. Um, then she's fucking flying the ship. She's like, hey, I need you to um, hold my wiener while, you know, and make sure the ship doesn't crash while I go shoot everything. And then she shoots a bunch of shit down. Like, I, I, she's badass. Again, Tracy's a badass. Tracy's technically the hero of these, of this series, not Mike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the the minor, not the minor character. She's the the lesser character. The story is about Mike, but Tracy's the badass. And I think th- I think Mark did that intentionally because you know Tracy's kind of modeled after his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, and I met Tracy. She's a lovely woman, and she looks like she's a badass, and would definitely whoop some ass if she had to. <laughs> so, uh, uh-huh. so they- good. What were you gonna say? Somebody gonna say something? No. No, I thought I heard up. I, heard a, I, thought, I, I heard thought Amber was gonna say something. Yep. Um, so they they crash, they parachute out, and they're in the middle of uh Nevada. Yeah. Nothing but desert. And while they were coming down, people were shooting at their ship. The Progerians were coming in shooting at their ship. So people are just shooting all over the place. Tracy knows that somebody's coming for them, probably military, because it was whoever shot at the ship, it wasn't. The Progerians, they know we're here. We're in a Progerian ship 
or mm-hmm. a striver ship or an alien ship. And they think that that's whatever. So it's, you know, Mike's like, well, we got to hide. She's like, well, where do you want to hide genius? We're in the middle of the desert, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it'd wait to get captured. Mm-hmm. We don't have a choice. So yeah, I, f- I fucking love Tracy for that. She's just like, where are we going? Like, yeah. we might mm-hmm. just wait. like we- <laughs> yeah, we're going to hide out in plain sight because we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they end up coming and they, they tell them to drop their weapons and, you know, and lay down on the ground. And Mike makes a smart ass comment. And Mike, this is where Mike's reputation precedes him right away. The guy in charge is like general Colonel Talbot. You know, he knows that it's him. And these are the guys from area 51, which I wish they went a little bit more mm. in depth with area 51, <sighs> but nobody really agreed. Area 51 is anyway, it doesn't, it actually does exist. They, the, the, the military has finally said, well, the government has finally said that that Area 51 exists after years, decades of saying oh. that it didn't. Well, I watched Independence Day. I know it exists. <laughs> oh, I know it exists. I've been new that. Will Smith don't lie. He doesn't. <laughs> Except for when it comes to his marriage. Now, marriage is a lie. Well done. That was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, so they go out to Area 51. They get, uh, there's a progerian thing set up on the outside, the outskirts that are coming for it. And Mike, once again, has to go on a suicide mission dressed in a Mm -hmm. suit. He's saying, you know, what if I can paint the target? Can you guys destroy the shit out of it? So Mike has to go. They dress Mike in a ghillie suit in 110 degree temperature. It's uh, the progerians got their, their, their drones up above and their, patrolling and they can see heat signatures so mike's got to dress up in a bodysuit to not to blend in but to not project his body heat um and it just he goes out again on another mission that is probably going to kill him and he succeeds you know so the mm-hmm. horseshoe is still planted firmly up mike's ass mm-hmm. this. but he has his other moments he has his outer body moments during this he ends up, you know, saving the day, painting the target. They get blown up, but also Area 51 gets blown up because the the, the Genos, the Progerians are pissed. They go and they just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. So they got to try to get back. They're still trying to get back to D and Travis, but Mike has a vision that they might not be there. He thinks that they went to Maine mm-hmm. in some crazy way mike wants to get to maine now because mike th- kind of knows that they're at his parents house you know he, yeah, I, he's like d d would come help me but d wouldn't leave the baby d would leave the baby with my dad d's yeah. with my dad yeah he had that premonition when they were actually driving like trying to drive and get away and it was it was like i think it was like the first time mike actually thought something through mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and you find out that you know D, Tony, and Travis are kind of having their own adventures up there in Maine where they go and they they, they try to steal their neighbor's truck um, and they end up building the big turtle shell to uh-huh. get them to, 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 to get away, but that was short-lived. They go to steal a truck and they end up finding the... Um, uh, I'm trying to look for the guy's name. Yodel. Udell, yes, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You know, which is probably one of the coolest side characters that they had. It's just like, what are you trying to do? You know, 
we're, we need your truck. Where are you going? Massachusetts. All right, hang on a second. He goes and gets yeah. coffee and he's like, this is my only truck. Mm-hmm. I can't let you do it, but I'll Uber you to Massachusetts, you know? <laughs> Basically, give me yeah. five stars and we'll be good to go. Yeah. And I thought it was funny. Another <laughs> The comedy bit where, you know, he, he gives him a ride without knowing where they're going. And then they ask him where he's going. It's like Massachusetts, you know, they're trying to get to Indian Hill. He's like, oh, I should have brought more coffee. You know, should have <laughs> brought a bigger thermos. I don't want to skip past one of the best one-liners. I had to write it down. That's why I was just on my phone looking. Yep. BT says, how is being with you two worse than gang life? Fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. dead. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I just love the amount of times he uses the word cracker to describe them. is mm-hmm. just hilarious. Like, it's just hilarious. I get it. I get it, though. It's just like, what the? I, I get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of... <laughs> I see a lot of people in the group that can't get through this book, this series. They all start with Indian. They start it and then they stop it. And we talked about this in the first episode uh, of the podcast um, that you got to get past the first little bit because this book just gets this whole series gets so good. And this is my favorite. I love, like I've said before, I'm zombies all day, all night. But for some reason, this series I think is the best out of all of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, guys. No, go ahead, Amber. Sorry. Oh, um, I, I gotta say, this one I have thoroughly enjoyed, and I feel like because this is, um, BT and the Strivers are not the only new characters that come out that you just start like uh, you don't love the Strivers, but you just start falling in love, and it's like, damn, they have another character that you really, really love, and that you're like rooting for. It's like again. Mike is Mike is just blowing you away with his level of like understanding and trying to look outside the box. Like we don't have to kill everything. We need to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just it. This book ends up being like I, this is this is definitely uh, second to to ZF because ZF was first. So I got to give it that one. But this one, I mean, honestly, I I thoroughly enjoyed some of it. A little long, but I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And speaking of characters we all know and love, when you get later on into the story, um, he doesn't call himself yeah. Trip; mm-hmm. he calls himself John. Mm-hmm. They 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 ended up getting a truck, a truck. They're traveling across the country trying to get there. They go into an underpass to try to get um, you know away from the progerians and stuff. And there's a giant tractor trailer coming with a carnival ride on the back, and BT's got his jokes about the carnies you know that they're criminals that couldn't get real jobs um and john is trip is is john kind of in this where he says that he's more lucid mike says that he themes mike says that he seems kind of lucid and he gets off the trip gets off the truck and says my name is john when is this Mm -hmm. and this Mm -hmm. is where the Mm -hmm. shrouded world I think the, the the worlds collide and they come they 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 merge because Trip says I'm not supposed to be here, mm-hmm. you know. And they're asking him where he's going, and he's going to a a, a Bigfoot convention or Yeti something convention. like that, like a Yeti convention, mm-hmm. or Yeti convention, Yeti yeah. spotting fair, Yeti something fair in Spokane. Yep, mm-hmm. but he's going the opposite direction. He's heading east to go to Spokane, Washington, with his west. So. Nothing in Trip's timeline makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Tracy says, well, you're going the wrong way. He's like, you know, I'm not even supposed to be in this, you know, so to speak, in this timeline or in this time. So they all think he's rocking crazy. BT's, you know, <laughs> doing the motion, but everything he kind of does make sense because if you read a shrouded world, you understand that Trip has his moments of lucidness, but he has to keep, he says he has to do the drugs to keep track of everything because mm-hmm. it's so scattered all over the place. So he gives them a ride to Texas. And once he leaves, he stops about 50 yards down the road and says, oh, wait, I'm supposed to give this to you. You're going to need this. And he drops a bag outside and it's full of advanced medical supplies. And mm-hmm. you don't know why Trip, you know, is giving him a bag of advanced medical supplies. But if you read Shrouded World, you know that everything Trip does comes true. You know, all of his little premonitions and stuff. So you wonder why they have that. And that's how we meet. Trip comes back into the story, which I was waiting for Mike to recognize him from book one when he gave him and Paul a ride mm-hmm. back in, yeah. you know, when they were coming from Walpole into to, to Dedham or wherever they were going. But he never touched base on that. Never said, you know, this guy sounds, you know, he seems familiar. I think I've met him before or anything like that. You know, says, I didn't think this, you know, trip lights up a joint and Mike says, you didn't think to share. And he's like, I didn't think this might smoke. You know, you look mm-hmm. so young. And it's, that's a, that was hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this might smoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the hell he's talking about, but we all knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of just getting, getting back to it because we're getting you know we, we, the, this show is definitely going to run long uh they go into amarillo texas they get into a big fight with a bunch of people in mm-hmm. an auto parts store uh they ended up you know big shootout big battle mike gets poop water splashed on him from a toilet mm-hmm. we all know how mike is about all that but talks his way out of a, a battle at the end you know they kill most of the people there and they end up taking off, but Mike gets shot in the hip, um, which is bad. So they're driving to try to find a place to stay where Mike can get patched up. They end up finding him into a house, and Tracy's telling BT, you got to put this tourniquet on Mike's hip. You got to release the tourniquet every 10 minutes. If I'm not mm-hmm. back in an hour, we're going to have to saw the leg off, and Tracy's, mm-hmm. you know, I saw her saw in the tool shed or down in the basement or wherever she saw her said, they're going to cut off Mike's leg mm-hmm. um, until she finds a taxidermist in one of the houses that can help him. So ends up saving Mike's leg a little bit of, of, of all people, a taxidermist, not a doctor, not a vet. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where BT's going through his thing. It's like, are you a doctor? You know, uh, not really. Are you a vet? No, oh, not really. You mm-hmm. know, and he tells me he's a taxidermist, which is kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, they hear a commotion outside is where we meet some new characters uh, we meet Gabe uh, Gabe Kaplan so to speak the, the guy from Welcome Back Carter he just calls himself Gabe mm-hmm. Kaplan Yep. they got a dead mute that they want the, 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 the guy to stuff for him to mm-hmm. taxidermy for him and Mike is kind of out of it he thinks that it's Drababin Mm-hmm. Mike kind of has that moment and BT's never seen Drababin, so he doesn't know what it is. And Trace is the only one that's 
you know, you're a dumbass. D's going to be pissed <laughs> that you thought that this mute was him. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So Chance is the taxidermist name. I was trying to think of who it was. Um, yeah. So and this is kind of where the last, the, the third act of the book starts because it's Mike, BT, Tracy. Chance stays behind. Um, he stays back to stuff the, um, the, the mute. The mute. The mute. Yeah. And they get into a, they start going and they get into a, a cross battle with the Genos and the Mutes. Mm-hmm. Mike ends up convincing the Genos to fight with them. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the enemy of my enemy. There's so many enemy of my enemy <laughs> is my friend twist mm-hmm. in this story where they're, they're fighting with the, the Strivers and then they're fighting back with the Genos. And the the Genos to everything to a fault are are honest about mm-hmm. how they feel about everything. They don't want mm-hmm. to, they can't lie, which I think is hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, based off of everything that's happened to them, they're still honest to a fault. Where Mike tells, you know, BT's freaking out about the the Genos doing something, and Mike says, you know, what is your intentions? Do you plan on killing us? And they're like, well, not right now because we need you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but dead, afterwards, yeah, mm-hmm. after the mutes are dead, we're gonna kill you, and we're we're gonna go back to fighting. You know, yeah, we're so, not going back to Florida. I'll tell you that much. Uh, definitely not. So they get into the big battle. Uh, the guardian comes out of the buckle. They're doing their battle thing again, and the buckle drives damaged. They can't. They can't buckle again. So Paul goes on a kamikaze mission and just says, start heading to that that ship and firing and rolling from side to side to try to f- go against, you know, take as much heat off of the, 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 the lasers or whatever they're shooting at him to avoid, to evade them. And at the last possible second, the ship, the Progerian ship buckles out of existence. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to get rammed. They're they're scared that they're going to get, uh, you know, slammed again. So Paul kind of wins that day. And Paul says, as he's leaving, as he's heading toward the ship to crash it, Paul's going on a suicide mission. Finally, yeah. Paul gets it, comes around, tells Beth, listen, F you. Get the hell out of my life. I'm done. I can't believe I listened to you. I let you try to kill my best friend. Tell me, convince me to go and kill my best friend's wife and then send my best friend out on a mission to kill him. I'm done with you. Goodbye. I'm going to ram my ship into this one to save my friend. And as he's heading toward it, he says, this one's for you, Mike. And that part of the story ends right there. And you don't really, you don't know until afterwards that the Progerian ship buckles and is gone. And Paul's like, yay, so to speak. Yeah, he does a what would Talbot do situation. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like at that moment, like Paul actually grew his balls back and he's just like, fuck you, Beth. Like, I'm tired of the bullshit. I'm tired of the dumb shit. Yep. And he's like, you know, I need to I need to back up my best friend here. Mm-hmm. And I think that was I think that was a big turning point with Paul. Yeah. Like, for real. Aaron, what are you digging for? Uh, looking for tweezers. Like a, I think I got like a splinter. <laughs> I just, sorry. I'm all a ton of noise. I have to get a splinter on a podcast. You got a splinter? 
yeah I don't, I don't know i just i think i just discovered the splinter i don't know i'm i'm done sorry i'm distracting <laughs> today are you, are, are you married are you in the bathroom yeah i was i was i was i was i'm back i'm back sorry <laughs> like where is he that he can access tweezers oh yeah, well, yeah the... my wife's my wife's drawer ah okay I'm, I'm technically in my wife's makeup space right now this is where she like reports her lives and stuff it's like i like a fancy background and yep. like i literally tweezers right here so if i can oh, give them just... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just send him over to the left of the screen and give him give him right. tweezers. <laughs> oh my gosh but um <laughs> But I think I appreciate this moment with Paul a little bit more. I wish it would have happened a little bit sooner because um, at the end of the day, bro, like, you know, it's 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 kind of one of those things like if Paul would have just said bros before hoes, everything would have been a lot better a lot a long time ago. And I think that um, the fact that he finally like just realized how manipulative Beth has been. And I think this is one of the tipping points for best actions in the next book. Yeah. Beth goes over the edge. And <sighs> she dug under the edge. She been off the edge. She dug under mm -hmm. the edge. Like she fell over and dug <laughs> under and it's like under there hanging out. Like yeah. that bitch. <laughs> so, you know, once again, as we start to wrap things up, I, I think four and five are my two favorite I think they're my two favorite books out of the whole series. What are you guys' thoughts? I definitely really enjoyed it, but I have to say that the uh, are the next ones where they meet the uh, the ones that are trapped in the cube. I'm not going to ruin anything, but is the next one where they they find the the beings that are trapped in the cube? Is that the next one? I don't remember. I read this so long ago. I'm I'm going back as we go. So I think it I think it might be, but if it is, that one has got to be my favorite one because I feel like I, I feel like those those creatures are really cute. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to hear mm -hmm. about a cute alien yeah. and not a striver or a fucking Pajarian or Geogerian. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely has a way of painting a, a horrific picture of, of what aliens are. They're not ET at yeah, all. Yeah, and I yeah, and I also think that I really just enjoy the uh the the comeback um of like I feel like this is the like Beth is already tipped over, but I feel like this is a good turning point between um uh uh, uh Paul and Mike's relationship. But then BT and I think it's very interesting that BT and Mike had this entire time period to um forge a relationship outside of um D being around. And mm -hmm. I think we also kind of skipped over the fact that D just took over Indian Hill. Not I was just, just about to talk over. about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. We're going to get into that. But I think that it, it's, I think it was very um, pivotal for uh, BT and Mike's relationship. Cause I think if um, D would have been with them, um, I don't think that from the writ uh, BT would have liked Mike at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Cause BT even asks where they're, 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 they're on the road to, tr to, Mike and Tracy, do you think you two would have met if it hadn't have been for the Pajarians? Uh -huh. And Tracy flat out says no. No. And mm -hmm. Mike's like, well, I, you know, I, I feel like you're my soulmate. You're my kindred spirit. We would have met probably in some other timeline. And she's like, you know, how? You know, mm -hmm. unless you had, you know, the, made the comment of, you know, a, a drunken, after a drunken wrestling match, um, you know, a wrestling thing, 
they have to call in the National Guard and Tracy arrests Mike. That's the only mm-hmm. way they would have met. And even BT says the same thing that if I had gotten into the police thing, I probably wouldn't have arrested you in another mm-hmm. time, you know, in another life. But you know, that that that's it. So mm-hmm. in a way, the world going to shit, Mike meets Tracy, it's kind of the best thing that's ever happened to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Horrible roundabout turn of turn of events. Well, I mean, there's a lot of bad shit happened to him, so I guess Tracy's his karma. Yeah. But we do find out that uh, Drababin, Tony, Yodel, and Travis do make it to Indian Hill. And Drababin is the highest-ranking officer at Indian Hill at that, that moment. Some people like it. Some people don't. Most of the soldiers um, abide by it. You know, that they go through the chain of command. It's not just... Mike isn't around, so screw you. You're just a dumb alien. We don't want to, we don't trust you. It shows that D has built up that trust with the soldiers, has built a reputation of not just being part of the Genogerian race that they're at war with. He's one of them. And a lot of them accept D as that, except for that one big asshole that, uh, you know, tries to blow him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, so there's what Captain Jordani because there's Jordani. the captain that he replaces, get mad, and then yeah, what he he's his um pawn is was it Hen- Hennessy? Yeah, so yes, yeah. yeah I'm oh. trying, to, trying to go back to my notes to find it. And he's like, no, I'll be fine. The the claymores facing out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, who are you? Oh, my gosh. You, uh, that's a simpleton thought process right there. Like, uh, I, I can't remember if any of the books, there was another simpleton like that. But there, I was like, you are a special type of human. Um, are we going to bypass the fact that the sergeant that is um, basically uh, Jerbebon's, um, uh detail that's always around him and stuff, his name is Dewey? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, that's right. That so mm-hmm. cool. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I love the they part. Do it a few times in the book. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And but D's got his. He goes into the the, the interrogation room to, to 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 talk to the the guy with the claymore, you know, strapped to his thing, and is starting to diffuse the the situation he's getting into the guy's head and all of a sudden just like nope fuck it i'm just going to reach across break his neck grab the 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 detonator and done Mm. you know and the people on the other side of the glass are just like he just did what (laughs) you know which it just shows that even d has his moments where he can be pushed to a certain point for so long and then it's just I think he's been around Mike too long. It's just, nope, fuck it. I'm just going to shoot him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that pragmatism that he's just like, man, this is, this is just better if I kill him. Yeah. I mean, he did. He technically, he did ask for forgiveness before he did so. so. Cause they said that let's pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With him. So, but he tricked him while he was telling him, let's pray. He was waiting to see if the other guy was close his eyes or catch him off guard for a second and then he leapt into action when he saw him looking at the door. He was looking for something because when D tells him, do you not think that the the the, the, the ball bearings inside the bomb, they're not just going to ricochet and bounce off and kill you too. You know, so he's kind of freaking out looking around the room. And that's when D strikes. Yeah, yeah. 
which I mean, and at the end of the day, the fact that there was there wasn't like a mutiny behind D killing another human just right. shows that like he has that respect. And again, that goes back to my point when we first started. If the genos were just put to work to rebuild, people could have seen him in a different light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely could have done some good and uh, you know help rebuild the country and everything like that. But that would have been a whole different story altogether then. That it mm-hmm. would have. That it would have. Good sir. <laughs> So now somebody refresh me because I am totally drawing a blank and my notes don't go that far. How does this book end? How does this story end? Um, furniture store, right? I know they're in the furniture store. I know they get to the roof. I know they're having a huge battle. Uh, Drabebon sees that the Gino they're retreat. They're doing a tactical retreat. And he's like, oh. there's no way that they would do that. Somebody taught them that. There's only one man mm-hmm. that would teach them that. And so they had the Guardian zoom cameras down on their zoom satellites down. And they said, you'll know what you see. You'll know what you're looking for when you see it. Yep. And that's when they see the fiery red hair of Tracy. Tracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's when um, uh, Paul sends out fighters to go help. Yep. Because and Paul even accepts them. D in this story now. Because yes. um, he finds out that. He goes back and, and talks to Indian Hill. They're like, you know, Drabebin's in charge. He's been kicking ass. And Paul even admits, you know, yeah, I, I, I messed up. D, you're a good man. D ends up going up on the, uh, does D go up on the Guardian or is he still in Indian Hill? He's still on Indian Hill. Indian. Okay, that's what yeah, I he said. He'd never go on the Guardian again. Yeah, Mike said he's never going on the Guardian again either. And he's <laughs> back on it like three or four <laughs> times. So <laughs> that don't mean shit. True. True that. So, yeah, so they end up having the battle. I was sad that uh, some of the other guys died. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 new guys when they were in the limo. Yeah, that they didn't make it. I was hoping that they would have carried them over, kind of like they did with uh, you know Winter and the other people in in uh, the the zombie Fallout series. I'm drawing a blank on their names right now, but kind of wish that they would have done that, but they didn't. So, but the Genos end up destroying all of the mutes down on the ground mm-hmm. and then mike and tracy and bt i'll have that oh shit now what moment because we were going to help you destroy them and you told us once you helped us beat them then we're going to fight and all those genos versus mike tracy and bt it, it's it's zero competition mm-hmm. literally but negative competition <laughs> it ends up working out and they don't fight them and they don't kill them you know, they live to Mike BT and Tracy live to fight another day so, yep. and fight in another Which, book. I, I got to say, I like that it, it ended on a bit of a cliffhanger, but not like a dr- mm-hmm. like too dramatic. Like I can wait until my audible credits come come to get the next mm-hmm. one. You know, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, four. I think four ended on a cliffhanger where you yep. wanted to hear what was going to happen. Yeah. Because yeah. the bomb goes off, they're in the ship with the strivers, and you're like, what the hell is going on here? What is this? Where mm-hmm. book five ends, you're like, okay, it's kind of like one or two, mm-hmm. or you know, the end of three where it's it ends. And I don't know if Mark intentionally meant to write this as a, a six, or is it six or seven books? I can't remember. Seven, right? Uh, hopefully it'll be eight, but right now it's seven. <laughs> a seven-part series because he you know, it, it kind of ends after book one ends that mm-hmm. it can just end. And then book yeah. two ends as it can end. I think once he got to four, 
it was a continuation because he started working mm-hmm. in the Shrouded World series and, and everything else with it. Yeah. It needs to be another book because how the hell are you going to end the series with, and get the other mic on the phone? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Mark, the people want their cake. They want both. Mm-hmm. Seriously. You know, you're done with, with, with ZF20 and Lycan. Everybody thought Lycan was done. Uh, you know, we want an eighth book. You can stick the landing just as much on an eighth book mm-hmm. as you can with, with the seventh that you did, you know, because what do you mean Lycan got another one? There's a new Lycan follow up coming up. Like soon. What? Yeah, he mm-hmm. finished, he wrote, he wrote, he finished Zombie Fallout 20 and Lycan Fallout 7 this year. Those are both coming out within the next like month or two. I knew I knew 20 was coming. I didn't yeah. Yeah, How he, was he, gonna spin he that? announced them at the same time. Oh, those two stories intersect. Mm-hmm. They do. You know, similar to how distance is a future reduced dystopia version of Indian Hill happens after Indian Hill. Lichen is what happens after, after zombie yeah. fallout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of 19, you kind of get a little bit of Tommy Eliza crossover where it's mm-hmm. he's talking about what's happening in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, that always that always confused me a little bit because I didn't know if that time with future Eliza, well, with Eliza present and future Tommy, whether that was the space between, um, like in Fallout and after ZF. Like, is it how many years in between was that, or is this just a completely different dimension that they're bringing into perspective right now? I never understood that. Me neither, and I think we're gonna find out in this next uh this next run because if he wrote them both at the same time i think he's going to tie them both in together mm-hmm. okay okay because i i'm not going to lie like and like and fallout was absolutely i absolutely loved it i absolutely yeah. loved it i really did i i absolutely love that series that was very 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 awesome mm-hmm. i really really enjoyed that one that's definitely going to be a yeah uh, i got to listen to that one at least two or three more times before we start discussing that one, because that's going to be an I, interesting show. Yeah, I am on the board for that one. You can sign <laughs> yeah, me up same. for that one. It's absolutely favorite. Send me an email. I'll definitely have you three back on without a doubt. Absolutely. So, but guys, we're going close to two hours. And, uh, you know, my eyes are heavy. And I know Amber's <laughs> got to get up early. And, and so do I. And someone's got to go to work. You going to work tonight? Uh, yeah, just for a couple hours for a meeting. There you go. Lucky. Aaron's just gonna go find Tony Clippers and get the splinter out of his out of his finger. Yeah. So. <laughs> nuts. Guys and gals, oh, I want to thank you all for coming back on. It was absolutely awesome talking with you again, and I hope this uh, this isn't the last time we do this. It will not be. No, and Amber, we're gonna get the misses on uh, once we start doing zombie. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, you try to get a word, and we're both of us talking about ZF. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i am perfectly fine with that so (laughs) guys thank you all so much you all have a good night you too too. thank Thank you you. have a great night night you have been listening to the chronicles of michael talbot the podcast copyright 2023 by chestnut hill studios our theme song zombie vs aliens was written brilliantly by burnt ends the chronicles of michael talbot the podcast is a production of chestnut hill studios and no part of this production can be reproduced reproducted rewind remixed remastered without the express written consent of chestnut hill studios 
and is punishable by FCC law and being called a big, fat, stupid doo-doo head. The show was written, produced, hosted, mastered, and edited by Jeff Royd's technical advisor, Mary Napoli. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It does help other people find the show. Thank you very much for listening, and as always, if you have not done so, download or buy the books of Mark Tufo. You will not regret it. Well, you might regret it. I don't want to make false promises. I can't, you know, I don't know everybody's taste or anything like that. But just go do it. Thank you.